There's many ways to look at worship. I mean, you could preach on this for a year and, and not exhaust the subject. But uh, worship is basically who God created you to be. He created people to worship. And, uh, and let me just say this. God is not after our worship songs. He's not after our worship and what you may think. He's after you and me. He's after you and me. Uh, but I do know this. There's so many things that happen during worship that um, we really don't understand everything that happens to us. You know, it's kind of like driving a car. You know, my wife has no clue. She puts the key in. She starts it. She has no idea about the combustion engine and all of that and how the crankshaft turns, and neither do I. <laughs> but I do know this. It gets me to a destination and I don't really have to know all of that. God is interested in that way for you and me. I don't have to understand everything that is happening during worship or what's going on. But I do know one thing. God wants to get us to a destination. He wants to get us to a destination. So worship is more about having our relationship with God. And not just on Sunday morning, but every day of our life. The Bible says this, whatever you do, do as unto the Lord, which means your job. The Lord spoke this to me when I used to work at FedEx, you know, because, you know, sometimes, you know, you, if the boss isn't around, you, you know, everything's kind of slow. You just like, you know, I'm going to check out. And uh, but the Lord started talking to me about, you know, you are doing your work and your job is unto me, not to the boss at FedEx. Amen? Amen. Everything we do, we do is unto God, whether it's cleaning the house, whether it's your job, whether it's raising your kids, whether it's doing your landscape, whatever you do. If we do it unto the Lord, when you do it unto the Lord, with that in the back of your mind, that is called worship. That is called worship. So that's one side to look uh, about that. But um, worship is the time that we take to turn our affection to the Lord. And let me just say this. Everybody worships. Everybody worships. Even the heathen, even people who don't know God, everybody worships. The question is, who or what do you worship? We're created to worship. So everybody worships. You can worship, I know people, you can worship your family, your kids, your spouse, your profession, your job, whatever you do. Uh, money. People can worship money. And then people can worship themselves. People can worship themselves. It's all about me. You are a small package when everything is wrapped around you, though. But uh, whatever we worship, this is the thing. You're going to put your trust in. You put your trust in what you worship. That's why people, if they worship money, all of their trust is in money. If the stock market goes south and you lose all of your 401K, you know, people jump off bridges and do crazy things because their trust was in money, and now the money's gone. And, and so uh, whatever you worship, you're going to put your trust in. So the Bible says this in 1 Peter 2, 9, that we are all a royal priesthood. We are ministers. 1 Peter 2, 9 says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. A holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. What is a priest? 
So you, in the Old Testament, you study what a priest is, and it's basically somebody who intercedes and goes to God. And God sits there and says, we are all priests. We're all priests. So we all have the ability to hear from God and to worship God, to pray for others as well. My desire in this church is that we all become worshipers to a degree that, I mean, you, you don't have to be pushed into it. You don't have to try to get manipulated. You just worship God because of who he is. And I believe this. I, re- I pray this and believe this. I just believe that people are going to be healed while we're worshiping God. Nobody praying for you. Nobody laying hands on you. Nobody doing anything. You just get healed. I believe that. Can you believe that with me? There's people that have been sick for decades. There's people that have been hurting for for years, and then there's people been hurting for days. I believe it's possible to be worshiping God and get healed. We can believe that. Amen. John chapter 4, verse 19 says this. This is the story of the woman at the well. She was a Samaritan woman. Jews and Samaritans, there was a great divide. They had nothing to do with one another. But the woman said to him, to Jesus, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. This is when Jesus said that, um, you know, go get your husband. She said, uh, I don't have a husband. And he said, yes, but you have five husbands, and the guy that you're with is not your husband. And she says, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship. The salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Notice that scripture, God is not looking for worship. He doesn't have an insecurity complex. You know, like, I need everybody to stand and worship me. A little little bit louder over here, I can't hear you worshiping me. No, that's not, God is not looking for worship. He is looking for worshipers. Why? When I read that, I thought, why? Why, why, why is God doing Why is he looking for that? Why is he looking for worshipers? Everything that God does is for your benefit and mine. He's just an awesome father. You know, if you've got kids, you know, you do so many things for your kids because you want them to have a great life. And for us parents, you want them to have a greater life than you. So God, we get that mentality from God. Anytime that he asks you or me to do something, it's not because, oh, God just wants me to do this. You know, when you're a little kid, you know, you know, eat this, eat this green beans, eat that yucky looking stuff. It's good for you. It's good for you. I'm so thankful when we get to heaven, ice cream is going to be good for me. <laughs> By the way, I eat ice cream every day on my vacation. Just saying. I tried out all these different ice cream shops. Oh, they have ice cream here. Every day. 
It was great being on vacation. It was one of the highlights. But anyway, um, God has a reason for us to worship him. I'm just going to give you two. Whatever we worship, we put our trust in. We're going to put our trust in. So God wants us to put our trust in him. People who are worshiping different things and even themselves. You know, this is the thing about uh, self-righteousness. We all probably have a little bit of this in us, some more than others. But the problem with self-righteousness is it's really not easily detected in ourself. But self-righteousness is a stench to God. There's not too many things that smell to God, but self-righteousness smells to God. It's when we think, I got this, God. I got this. I don't, I don't really need you in this. I, I got this. You know, if you're do, make, having a great job, you know, you, 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 we don't come out and say this, but we basically think that my finances are good. I don't have to believe God or can look to God for my finances. You know, if you're young and in health, you know, and you can run a marathon, you don't, you don't really look to God for your health. You don't look to God for if you're reading your Bible and you're being real spiritual. You don't look to God as like saying, you know what, I praise God. I, I'm doing really good because I'm just reading and just doing all these spiritual things. That's self-righteousness. Anytime we just think that uh, I am doing something, and because I'm doing something, I deserve something, it's self-righteous. I'm going to tell you what, man, that's a stench. And like I said, it, it's, it's a sin that's easily hidden within us. Amen. David said, I encourage myself in the Lord. I really understand what that scripture means. (laughs) Just saying. The second one is, you become like what you worship. You become like that. Now, we are in Christ. We've been made. The Bible says, he that is joined to the Lord is one with God. So we are one with God. But the problem is, We do not see that ourselves like that. We really don't. And if we do, not to the degree that God sees us like that. But worship helps us in that area. Worship helps you to see yourself in Christ. And the more that we have a revelation of worship, what it's for, God says, I want you to come and worship me. Why? Because you will see yourself in me. I'm going to say something that will rock your, rock your boat. Are you ready? Are you ready? This will rock your boat. When you go into the throne room, it, as far as God is concerned, it's the same as Jesus himself walking into the room. What? I see you right now just going, I don't think I, that's true. The Bible says you're in Christ. He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. You're one with Jesus. So when you walk into the throne room, Jesus says, goes, my daughter, my son, come in. The same as Jesus walking in there. 
We just don't see that. Melody and I were talking. Have you seen that movie? Uh, I believe it's, it's got the word heaven in it. It's about when that little boy died and he went to heaven. That's exactly what I thought. <laughs> heaven is for real. How many have seen that movie? Small portion. Anyway, you ought to go watch that movie. It's a true story. It's a true story. And in this movie, the little boy, he's really sick, and uh, he, they take, rush him to the hospital. And uh, his dad's a pastor. His dad's a pastor. Bless his little heart. But uh, so the boy dies. And the pastor goes into the chapel at the hospital, and he's ranting. I mean, just ticked at God. I mean, he said, God, how can you call yourself good? How can you be good? I mean, he's just going on. I mean, he's just slapping God around in that chapel, man. I mean, it's just bad. Well, afterwards, the boy, he comes back to life. And I don't remember how long he, he died, but... When he died, he saw his father in the chapel. He saw his mother, I think, on the phone doing stuff. And when he comes back and he goes home and he's fine and everything, little by little, these conversations happen with the little boy. But this is something that is very intriguing. He said, yeah, Dad, I saw you when I was in heaven And you were in the chapel praying. I don't know about you, but that would not be classified as praying. You stupid God. What kind of God are you? You call yourself. Would you all call that? I would just call that, you know, you need to pray instead of what you're doing. This is what I'm saying. From heaven's point of view, he did not just hear the words of the man. He listened to the heart of the man and the heart of the man that he was crying out to God. I am so, that just sets me free. Because, man, there's times that we say things and you think, oh, dear Lord, I I remember saying that. I just, God, forgive me. God, he, he gets a hold of your heart. He hears what your heart is saying, no matter your mouth. Don't get me wrong, your words are important, but God is saying, I heard you praying. Is that awesome? I mean, because you would think, you know, as a, a fellow pastor, I would be in there going, you know, it's okay. Let's just come. Down. Let's just not say anything right now. Let's just get a hold of your tongue and just not say anything. Come on, buddy. Just let's not, let's not call God stupid. Let's not just do that. The point is that heaven sees a different perspective than you and I do. And this is what God was saying to the woman at the well. Worship is all about the heart. Worship is about the heart. You become what you worship, and you will begin to trust in what you worship. This is why God wants us to worship, guys. It's not because he's some egomaniac. It's for your benefit. It's for my benefit. It draws us in to walk even as he walked. It causes us to see things differently. And one of the most important things is to see yourself differently. While we worship today, I just felt like this. I meant to say at the beginning. I believe there's some woman here. It's a woman or women that you've done something. You've asked God to forgive you, and he forgave you, but you haven't forgiven yourself. And the Lord wants you to know this today. 
Anytime the de- you know, the devil is really good about bringing things back to your remembrance in HD quality way before there was HD. What is it? 4K, 5K, double K, whatever. I don't know all those terminology, but it's real clear. It's real clear. God can, or the devil does that to you. And this is what God wants you to know. He's forgiven you. And it's time for you to forgive yourself. You need to forgive yourself. So anytime the devil brings that back thought of, look what you did, you need to thank God that you're forgiven. And if you do that once, five times, ten times, after a few times, the devil will get tired of you having that kind of thought of, I'm forgiven. Thank you for bringing that to my attention because I want you to know, Mr. Devil, God has forgiven me. You need to forgive yourself. It'll rob you of joy. In John 4, 14, it says, But whoever drinks of this water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water I shall give him, he, him will become in him a fountain of water springing up to everlasting life. In him. God gives you this water to drink. You say, what is this water? It's the very life-giving of water, of God. He gives you this. And it's on the inside. It's on the inside. And it's on the inside of all of us today. There is a life-giving substance. And this is called water. The illustration is it's water. And, you know, wells are underground. You don't see it. But it has to be drawn out. But once it's drawn out, it sustains life. It's the same way with you and me. God has given us the substance inside of us, but it must be drawn out to be manifested on the outside. And one way to do that is worshiping God. Worshiping Him. With joy, we draw from the wells of salvation. Wells. In Isaiah, it says that you draw from these wells inside of you and me. It's in us. Worship helps us to get that out so it's manifested out here. So it's really, it's really important to know this. In him, we move and have our being. In Christ, it shall be in you a well of water springing up to everlasting life. Well... The woman said to Jesus, okay, I'm following you. I'm tracking with you. But is it on this mountain? You know, we worship God on our mountain, the Samaritans. And you Jews, you worship on that mountain. And God said, it's not about the mountain. It's not about that. It's about your heart. You know, it's easy for people to make things a ritual, and then you worship it. You remember when... The children of Israel were coming out of Egypt, and they began to complain to God and just have horrible attitudes. And so snakes started coming in and biting them, poisonous snakes. I've been bit by a snake before. It's, it's, it's less painful than a bee sting, but I've never been bit by a poisonous snake. That's a different story. can kill you. But these were poisonous snakes. And so the people cried out to God. And so what did God tell them to do? He told Moses, he says, I want you to make a serpent, a bronze serpent, 
put it on a pole, stick it in the ground so everybody in the whole camp can see it. And whoever looks upon that serpent will be healed. Wow. And you think, what in the world does that got to do? I mean, how you look on a serpent on a pole, how's that the price of eggs in China? I mean, how do you get healed by doing that? And in the New Testament, he explains. Jesus himself was the serpent on the pole. He was the one that was going to take the curse, the pain, the, the sin. And he said, as the serpent was lifted up, so must the son of man be. But this is the problem. Years and years later, people started worshiping the serpent on the pole. And finally, God told him, he says, you need to tear that down and smash it and get rid of it. That was not the purpose. That was not the purpose. It's easy for us to get in a rut in anything we do in life. And God says, it, the mountain has nothing to do with it. You don't have to climb up a mountain to go worship me. That has nothing to do with it. Worship is all about your heart. And there's some... You can study worship in the Old Testament. It's you worship God by raising your hands. You worship God by clapping. You can worship your God by dancing. You can worship God by laying prostrate in front of him. There's all kinds of things to, to worship God. And, and so this is what we have, have a tendency to do. That the way that we like to worship is we look at others and say, well, you're not worshiping. You know what you're doing when you do that? You're getting up on your mountain. And God says, it's not about the mountain. I'm just laying it down. Worship is of the heart. It's easy to be critical and judge people. You know, I'm, there's been times that I have sat in my chair, my coffee cup, and man, I just... I felt like God was there. You know, God never leaves us nor forsakes us. Let me just say that. But I just thought, man, I love it. I didn't say it with my mouth, but in my inner being, I just said, God, you're so awesome. That's called worship. So be careful as a church. Let's not do that. Let's not do that. Let's not look at people and go, why aren't your hands lifted up? I heard one time somebody said this. You know, if you only lift up one hand to God, that's half mass. That's, that's not worshiping God. That's half mass. And I went, where, where is that in the Bible? I mean, where, half mass. Are you kidding me? Don't get me wrong. There's times that, you know, I mean, my flesh goes, I ain't worshiping. I ain't doing nothing. I'm tired. When I feel my flesh do that, I go, Hallelujah. Okay, here we go. Here we go. I'm going to worship God. I'm going to worship God. I'm going to lift up my hands. I'm going to worship God. I'm going to sing louder. You know, there's people who says, well, I don't sing very good. This is why the Bible says, don't worry, we're not going to put you up on stage and put a mic in front of you. We're going to keep it far from you. But out here, you can make a joyful noise. It's not singing. It's just a joyful noise. I make a joyful noise every Sunday morning. God loves it. Again, he, there's some kind of filter in heaven. He goes, listen to that guy sing. 
Oh, I'm going to hear it when I get to heaven. I go, where's the filter? Where's the filter? Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. That's what you do. So you people who don't, you feel like, oh, man, if I sing, half the church would just leave. We're not going to put a mic in front of you or a Dave or a Steve or anything else. We're just going to let you sing right where you're at or make a joyful noise right where you're at. But you do it as unto the Lord. You do it unto the Lord. Well, this is the bottom line. There's no special formula. I don't want to get into a formula when it comes to worshiping God. You don't get into a formula when you worship God. Just be yourself. Just worship Him and love Him just the way that you are. He loves you just the way that you are, so worship Him that way. And worship is like, man, God, I just want you to know how great and awesome you are to me. Worship is our life, Colossians 3.16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, Singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the Father. Thanks to God the Father through him. So it starts in our heart, and then it's manifested on the outside. Let me just tell you this. I know one thing, that God can help. If you're struggling with something on the outside... If you will just start worshiping God on the inside, I'll give you a good homework assignment. This week sometime, get along with God. Even if you're married, don't have your spouse there. And you may want to do it at nighttime so you can close the curtains and have all the lights turned off so no one will have the possibility to see you. And just get, turn some worship. This is what I do. I turn worship music on. Get the Bose speaker going, and it's just really good, and it kind of drowns my voice out when I'm singing, so I can hear that instead of my own voice. It's great. And, but uh, raise your hands. Shout unto God. The Bible says shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Shout unto God. Praise him. Worship him. You know, one word, uh, it's exalt. I, I forgot where it's at. The word it says exalt the Lord. You know what that word in the Hebrew means, exalt? Jump up in the air and twirl. Some of you may not want to do that, but because then we'll have to pray for your healing. But it, I mean, that, if you think you're coordinated to do that, I mean, I wouldn't want my wife to do that because I would be praying for ankles and knees and joints, broken bones and everything. You know, I'd say, just let's not go there. But anyway, that's what the word exalt means. Jump and twirl. Elvis Presley has nothing on God. I mean, when it comes to hip moving and twirling and everything else. Okay, yeah, that wasn't a good illustration. But anyway, my point is this, that just do, just exalt God. Just get along and just start exalting. And I'm, I'm going to tell you, there's some things that will break off of you that you've been bound up in. I'm talking to you now. I said, there'll be things that fall off of you that have been holding you bondage that you didn't even know about. This is why God says, worship me. 
He wants you and I to be free of everything, including yourself. And that's the biggest one. Man, forget about the devil. You just need to be free of yourself. Free of yourself. God will set you free. This is the Passion Translation of Colossians 3, 16. It says, let the word of Christ live in you richly, flooding you with all wisdom. Apply the scriptures as you teach and instruct one another with the psalms and festive praises and with prophetic songs given to you spontaneously by the Spirit. So sing to God with all your hearts. I know some of you are intimidated about doing that here. You're just going to go, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. This is the thing. You can get at home and just stretch out and let it rip. Singing unto God. Just, I'm just you and God. And then the next one, verse 17 says, Let every activity of your lives and every word that comes from your lips be drenched with the beauty of our Lord Jesus, the anointed one. And bring your constant praise, your constant praise to God the Father because of what Christ has done for you. So he said, well, I just don't have anything to praise God for. Really? Andrew Walmack says this. I said, I can't say that in my church. But this is what he says. So it's him saying, I'm quoting him. How can you be so stupid and still breathe? Unquote. I want to make sure. Quote, unquote. But this is the thing. God wants you to be free of everything. As long as we look inside of our heart, I'm telling you, God wants to manifest some things outward, but it starts on the inside. Psalms 25, 12. This is the message translation. This is awesome. This is what it says. Psalms 25, 12. My question, what are God worshipers like? There we go. What are God worshipers like? Your answer, arrows aimed at God's bullseye. They settle down in a promising place. Their kids inherit a prosperous farm. God friendship is for God worshipers. They are the ones he confides in. If I keep my eyes on God, I won't trip over my own feet. This is for people who worship God. There's so many great things in here about people who worship God. First of all, it says that uh, they're friends of God, verse 14. And that word in there in the Hebrew literally means an intimate companionship that includes confidential conversation. So people who are God worshipers are going to be people who really understand God as their friend. All of my life growing up in church, I never thought God was my friend. I thought he was the one with the big, you know, long gray beard, white hair, strong, and just frowned on his face with a big stick going, make my day. <laughs> Way before Clint Eastwood said that. But you just, you're, I was fearful of God because, like, if I sin. He could kill me, or at least knock me off my bicycle, or do something. Push me in front of a car, 
do something, you know. He just, that's my mentality about God. Did you know that is a large portion of Christians around the world today? They think that way about God. God and being my friend was never, ever taught to me. Is that sad? Do you realize God, is he, he's your friend, but he wants you to know that you can be his friend. God is your friend today. I say God is your friend. Better than any friend that you've ever, you, people say, well, I just don't have any close friends. You've got one. God is your best, best friend. But this is the thing. If, if you don't know, all of the years growing up, I never did get the benefit of him being my friend. If you're a God worshiper, if you're worshiping him, he will expose your whole being, your spirit, soul, and body that you are a friend of God. And what's awesome about friends? You can tell them anything and they still love you. You can do anything and they still love you. But the great thing is they can help you. The Bible says if one falls, woe be into him. But if you are with two, one can help the other. This is what God wants to be to you and to me. A friend that helps us in time of need, in time of discouragement, in time of pain, in time of just depression. God is there for you to be a friend. But if you don't know that, you're on your own. Even though you're not on your own. But a God worshiper, somebody who's looking to God, he says, you are us. God will share intimate details with you. Man. So, being a friend of God. It says, arrows aimed at God's bullseye. When the boys were much younger, they were uh, in 4-H, and they took up archery. So, I bought them a bow. Bought them a, I, I didn't know anything about archery, so I bought me a bow. We all had bows. And uh, so we went to the forge. We, they started teaching us from the very beginning. And man, it was fun. I mean, get to shoot the targets. And we did this two or three times. Uh, we went to the 4-H two or three times a week. And we were all getting good at it. And uh, so at first, man, I, I was smacking them good. I mean, I was beating them at every time. You know, Dad, yeah. He was adding them up. And then about after six months or a year, man, the, one of them, I mean, they, they were getting real good to where I quit competing. So uh, I just did it for fun. We're just doing this for fun, okay, guys? We're just doing this for fun. One of them, I mean, they shot a, uh, a Robin Hood. You know what a Robin Hood is when one splits the arrow? Yeah, cool. We got a picture of that. We got a picture of that. So they were good. Matter of fact, one year, Jared, the first, his second year, he... Uh, uh, went to state, and he was the top six in the state. And the following year, Joe did the exact same thing, exact same position, top six in the state of Colorado. So it was a great thing. But when you're shooting, I, I digress. But anyway, when you're shooting an uh, uh, arrow, it's not like a gun sight. It's just one. There's uh, uh, some pins. And if you're shooting at 10 yards, there's a certain pin to look at. If you're shooting at 20 yards, it drops down. There's another pin to look at. And if it's 30 and so forth and so on, all the way up to 50 or 60 yards, I can't remember. But it's a different pin. If you are shooting at 20 yards, but you're looking at the 10-yard pin, you're going to be off. So you really have to focus on the exact pin with how far you are. It's a lot about just being steady, but also about focus, getting your focus. 
Hitting the bullseye with God is a lot about focus. Worship helps you be focused on the bullseye. What is the bullseye? Everything that God wants to show you about himself to you. Worship will take you off of your problem, of your issues. You know, people will say, oh, they have issues. Well, look in the mirror. You got issues. We all have issues. There's not a person on the planet that says, uh, look, they have issues. <laughs> you have issues. We all have issues. Your pastor has issues. We do. But this is the great thing about worship. It helps you pinpoint and focus. The eye's taken off you, and it's focused upon God's goodness, what he's done for you, what he thinks about you. The Bible says his thought. Listen to me now. Some of you are really struggling about thinking about how God perceives you. Listen to me. I am not trying to make light of sin. Sin is terrible. Sin can destroy you. There's so many consequences to sin. I am not saying anything great about that. But in spite of the sin... If you concentrate on the sin that you have done, it will cause you to miss upon the goodness that God has prepared for you. Because this is what God says about you, that his thoughts towards you are good always. There is not one bad thought of God about you. He didn't wake up one morning and go, okay, today's judgment day. Hey, we're all going to be fried crispy critters if that's true. Because this is what the Bible says. He who knows to do good and does not do it, it is sin. I'm pretty sure all of us fall in that department every day. I know you're looking pretty good and holy out there, but you do. If you know to do something good and you don't do it, it's sin. So you don't escape sin. But this is the thing. If you live in that frame of mind and that focus and you're your bowl is pulled out upon you, and the picture is not a square target of the goodness of God, but it's you that it's you're shooting at. It's you that you're shooting at. The focus is on you. What you've done, how weak you are, your issues, and everything negative about you. I'm not that smart. I'm, I'm not this, and I'm not that. I wish I was, but I'm not. And, and this, and it goes on and on and on. God is saying, it's time for you to focus on me. Draw back that bow. Draw it back and say, God, I believe that all of my sins are forgiven, that they are not just covered. They are wiped away as if they never existed. I believe by his stripes I am healed, not only in my body, but my mind, my soul is healed. I think there's more issues with souls sometimes than bodies. People's soul is so messed up. On the way to church this morning, you know, on the way to church, we were, <laughs> this guy was, we were stopped at a light. And he wrote, I was, there's a car in front of us, and he was riding his bicycle in front of us, and he just started cussing out the car in front of him. And I thought, what did he do? And then as he drove around the car, he started cussing my truck out. It wasn't me, I'm sure. It was my truck. He was cussing my truck out. And Melody looked at me and go, 
what is his deal? And he started riding, and we were on Elizabeth where it's four lane, you know. And he was riding down the middle of the road the opposite direction. I mean, cars were coming this way. He was riding down. Thankfully, Sunday morning, there wasn't that, any traffic. But I just watched him in my rearview mirror, and he turned back and coming down the right road. And he was just cussing. I mean, really letting it rip good. And I said, this is a real great revelation. That guy's got some, he's just a troubled man. He's a troubled man. <laughs> and, you know, I'm thinking about now. I go, yeah, duh. Yeah, you think? I mean, for, for no reason. He was just mad at the world. And, you know, this is the thing. Jesus wants that man to be set free. He wants him to be totally set free. He's just an angry, disturbed, mental problems. I don't know what's going on. But I guarantee you, if he would come to, to Jesus, and if we could get him just to look to Jesus and draw back that string off of himself and focus on Jesus, the goodness of God, how he died for him, he'll be set free. He would be set free. God wants to deliver. Every, he's done the deal. He's paid the price for everybody to be delivered. It's just what are you focused on? Where's your pen? Where's your 10-yard pen set? Where's your 20-yard pen? All of them should be on the goodness of God. The goodness of God. I'll close with this. You know, I've been, Melly and I have been reading uh, through the Bible together, and we've been in 1 Kings 12, 13, 14, 15, around in there. All of these kings, man, I mean, it's just sad. Sometimes you're reading the Bible, you go, dear Lord, this is sad. How could you be so stupid? You're just sad. They'd be, worship, they'd be such a strong follower of God, trusting God, doing everything for God. And then at the end of their life, they just get stupid. They just get stupid. You think, well, why did you do that? Why did you do that? But anyway, they just miss. And I'm thinking, it's easier than what we think. Worship helps you stay not stupid. Can I say that? There's a better way to say it, but it, it, worship helps you not be so stupid. If you're worshiping God, he helps you to stay focused on things that you can get stupid on. And it's amazed. I mean, Solomon, listen to me. Solomon was, a, you know, everybody knows this, was the smartest, wisest man on the planet, ever was. Wasn't he? But what happened to him at the end of his life? He fell. And you know what made the dude fall? Basically, it was his wife from Egypt. One woman. He had a thousand, which I'm not so sure that was. Anyway, I digress. But anyway, I mean, he started, I don't know if she was on a scale of 1 to 10, a 20 or what, a knockout type woman, hotter than firecracker. But, I mean, he just did things to, to satisfy her. He built a temple for her, to her God. Really? Really? So he got off course. So not, this is what I know. No matter how smart you are, you can be highly intelligent. But if your focus gets off of God, your self-righteousness, no matter how intelligent you are, you're not going to end up in the right destination in life. You'll still go. Solomon's going to be in heaven. Don't get me wrong. I believe that. He's just gonna, we're going to go up to him and go, man, you were stupid. But anyway, <laughs> my point is this. Staying focused on God. 
Here, and listen, you hear, I said this last week, the more that you hear from God, the more victory you're going to have in your life. Elijah, he said it's not going to rain for three years. I mean, no, when it's not going to rain for three years, there's going to be a famine. There was a famine. But this is what God said to Elijah. Elijah, I want you to go to this certain brook, Cherith, or some kind of brook. And he said this, I'm going to send ravens there at this particular brook. I'm going to feed you in the morning and the evening. That's very specific. But how many know if he didn't hear God, he would have died? He heard from God. He couldn't have went, you know, I'm going to go to the Ohio River instead. He would have died. I'm going to go to the Colorado River. He would have died. He had to go to a certain river at a place called there, and God fed him there. And then eventually the brook dried up, but God didn't go, oh, wow. Sorry, Elijah, I didn't know it was going to dry up on you. But this is what happened when it dried up. He says, there's a widow woman. I do this every time. A widow beauty woman. No, he wasn't. I'm kidding. But anyway, it was a widow woman. W-I-D-O-W. It's still funny. Come on. Come on. You're getting old and crusty. Getting old and crusty in here. Anyway, it was a widow woman. <laughs> when we get to heaven, watch her be about 410. I don't know. But anyway, <laughs> I'm going to say, I knew it all alone, man. I knew it all alone. <laughs> anyway, he says there's going to be a widow woman. Are y'all getting anything out of this? Help them, Jesus. Help them. <laughs> There's this widow woman. <laughs> All right, let's get serious. There's this widow woman. What was I going to say? <laughs> oh, God says, she's going to feed you. I, I'm going, you're going to get fed and taken care of there. So Elijah gets there and he says, you know, give me some water. Okay. So again, he hears specifically from God. And he says, you know, make me some bread. He says, listen, I've only got enough for me and my boy. I'm going to make that, and then we're going to die. He says, bring me some first, and it will not run out. Sure enough, she brings him food every day. There's food for her, her boy, and Elijah every day. She makes bread out of this flour. The next day, it's still the same amount, and it's as long as the famine lasted, she had the flour to make bread. My point is this, you and I are going to have more victory in our life the more that we hear from God. Worship helps us to get in the right atmosphere to make sure that we're going to hear from God. Are you hearing me? It's not a just religious square. You know, we sing three songs and then he preaches and we're good. Check, I went to church. That's not the pur- purpose of worship. It's not the purpose of coming to church. It's to change the atmosphere, first of all, inside of your noodle. You need to think differently. And then furthermore, you do this at home. You do this from time to time. Do this in your car. You know? Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to be weird and just go down Alberson going, Then sings my soul. Uh, excuse me. Uh, aisle number 12. Aisle number 12. We have... Problems and issues on earth. No, I'm not going to do that, okay? 
but I want to worship God outside of the church. Are you hearing me? Why? Because I want to be focused enough that I hear from God. There's this, there's this testimony. There's a businessman. He goes into the office and he prays the first hour of the day because he makes, he's an investor and he makes investive decisions. And he says God specifically tells him what to invest in, what to do with his money. He's a multimillionaire. <clears throat> it probably cut out. He's a multimillionaire. <laughs> My point is this. He looks to God. He worships God. He gives him all the praise to God. He looks to him. Now, I'm not saying, oh, now you tell me. Now we need to worship God. No, my point is this, that God wants you to be successful in every area of your life. And if you look to him and focus in on him, you're going to hear better because he's speaking to you and me every day. He is. He is. And God wants us to be successful in our life, our marriage, and raising our children, and our business, and our health. In everything we do. Amen. Let's stand. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God. Well, so you know a little bit more about worship? If not, a lot of this maybe you just heard it before, but I hopefully, hopefully, it encouraged you to look at worship differently. And when we get up here on Sunday morning, we're not just singing three or four songs just to loosen you up for the message. All right? You know, that, that's not the purpose of worship. The worship is, it's for you. It's for me to get in tune. And so I hopefully will encourage you next Sunday morning, engage. Engage. Don't just be gone. Engage, all right? Let me pray for you. Father, I pray in Jesus' name. What I, I have spoken, may the words of God just penetrate our soul. Renew our brain to where we have a great, greater revelation, a greater knowledge of why to worship, how to worship. Help us to do that, Lord. Teach us. We are teachable. We say we're teachable. We are teachable to learn more about worship and help us to know how to engage when it comes to worship, Lord. I pray that because you want what's best for us. You want us to have the best life. We're not. Some people are not even having a good life at all. But God, you have planned and destined for each and every one of us to have a great, awesome life. A life filled with joy, happiness, and, and the goodness of God. Yes, there'll be trials. There'll be things that we have to face. Mountains we'll have to climb. But when it's all said and done, we will follow God and come out victorious. I pray that for each and every person, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen.